This is an ABC podcast. Hello, this is Coronacast, a daily podcast all about the coronavirus. I'm health reporter Tegan Taylor. And I'm physician and journalist Dr Norman Swan. It's Tuesday the 24th of August 2021. And Norman, we're seeing more vaccines going into more Australian arms, which is really, really wonderful. But at the moment, the vaccines that we've got are approved for people aged over the age of 12, and you're not really eligible for it unless, in certain circumstances unless you're over the age of 16, which leaves a pretty big chunk of our population and arguably the cutest chunk of our population unable to get vaccinated at the moment. And a lot of people are worried about their kids and how to protect them. And we're hearing from other countries that this Delta strain of coronavirus is infecting a lot more kids and a lot of them are ending up in hospital. Yes. So the, the Delta, this Delta wave is that if you look at the New South Wales data from not to say 15 or 16, the rate of infection is about 10 to 15 times higher this time around compared to pre-Delta waves in New South Wales. It's probably similar. Is that just because we're testing them more? No, it's just that that, 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 is, that is what seems to be appearing. It does not seem to be a testing phenomenon and it's occurring in other parts of the world as well. And speaking of immunisation, there are quite a few countries in the world, including New Zealand, who are immunising down to age 12 and some, some which aren't, the most prominent of which is actually the United Kingdom. So the good news here is that when you look at the rate of hospitalisation, so it's 10 to 15 times higher, but the rate of hospitalisation is still low. So the rate of hospitalisation starts at about 1.7%. So it's essentially around 2% of kids who are infected end up in hospital. And that go, that slowly rises till you get to about the age of 18 and then it shoots up. And the rate of hospitalisation really goes up quite a lot and uh, to reasonably high levels under the, uh, you know, under the age of 50. So that's good news. But the thing is, and last night on 7.30 I covered this, is that in the southern United States, they are seeing really quite a lot of pressure on paediatric intensive care. So I interviewed a paediatric intensive care specialist at, in Nashville at uh, Vanderbilt Children's Hospital, one of the United States' leading children's hospitals. And their COVID wards are full, and there's a lot of pressure on their paediatric ICU, and a lot of staff are under pressure. They had a death a couple of weeks ago. If you actually look at it, it's not that the virus is affecting children worse. It's that when you get to large numbers... 2% turns out to be quite a few. Um, so, so the rate remains the same, but the numbers go up because the number's there. So to give you a, a sense of proportion here, Tennessee has a population of 6.8 million. New South Wales, just as a comparator, because New South Wales has got a significant wave at the moment, New South Wales has 8 million people. And Tennessee, uh, in the last day or two, has had about 7,200, 7,500 cases a day. So a lower, upper, a lower population and nine times the number of cases. So that's why they're seeing the children flowing through. Still, the chances of dying are very low, but it is a problem when you get to large numbers. Yeah, I mean, no one wants to think that it could be their kid that's in that 2% that's going to end up in hospital with this virus. But you're saying that it's not making kids sicker. It's just the volume of kids who are getting infected is much higher than it was with earlier strains of the virus. So the volume of kids is getting is higher, there's a surge going on, and it's always been the case that some kids will get sick with this virus, and that proportion of kids who are going to get sick is the same, 
but the numbers go up because the surge is on. Well, like you said, there is a surge happening in New South Wales and Victoria and the ACT and parents are understandably worried. They, they want to know how to best protect their kids. What can we do in the absence of vaccines for these kids? Well, we shouldn't be giving up. We shouldn't give up too early and maybe overnight things have changed by the time people turn on coronacast this morning, but the um, we should be immunising down to age 12 is what a lot of people are arguing. We're allowed to do that. The TGA has approved it. There may be a supply issue in the, in the, in the, in the short term, but the more uh, and younger Australians are immunised, the more they're protected against that and the more they're protected against spreading it as well, because as we've discussed before in coronacast, kids do spread the virus more than have been anticipated. That's a Canadian study that's shown that. But there are three main reasons, just talking about immunisation for a moment, because uh, yesterday the Murdoch Children's Research Institute put out a report arguing the reasons why you would actually immunise down to 12, you know, 12 to 15 year olds. So the first is preventing the disease. So whilst the overall effect of COVID on kids and adolescents is fairly mild. Some kids get seriously ill, therefore you want to protect them against that. The second is reducing transmission within the broader community. So that's kind of like herd immunity, although herd immunity is a debatable one, which we'll come back to, I think, in future coronacasts. And the third is actually reducing the impact of COVID-19 on kids, on schooling, on sports, interacting with friends and family so that you can normalise their lives um, and not have to protect them so much if they're out and about. So those are the three main reasons why you, why you would do it. So that's high schoolers, more or less. For kids under 12, Pfizer at least is currently un- has clinical trials underway looking at what's the safe and effective dose for their vaccine for kids down to the age of six months. And Moderna said that it's looking at doing a similar sort of thing. But in the meantime, what about kids under 12? So kids under 12 need to be probably cocooned, although it's a bit of, there's a bit of controversy about cocooning. So anybody who's had a baby over the last few years will know about cocooning. It means that anybody who comes in contact with the child should be immunised. It means that grandparents and future grandparents should be out now bearing their arms throughout Australia, getting AZ in their arms so that they're protected and they've got a reduced chance of getting infected and just being sensible, but knowing that if we keep things under control and we don't go to vast numbers in Australia, the chances of kids getting serious illness will be very, very low. And then the backdrop to all this, of course, is that we are dealing with multiple surges in Australia at the moment. And it's really hard. There's a lot of, literally millions of Australians in very tough lockdown restrictions at the moment. And there's sort of no end in sight for them. And there's been a bit of discussion about when the right time is to soften up lockdowns and start to transition towards this idea of living with the virus rather than pursuing COVID zero. Yes, yesterday, um, and, you know, over the last few days, the Prime Minister has doubled down on 70% immunisation, allowing us to open up. A lot of epidemiologists are saying, well, hold on a second, that's not necessarily going to be safe to do. There's an argument over the Doherty modelling. Is, is, did the Doherty modelling depend on low numbers about being able to open up? And that's going backwards and forwards as well. I think that we should just get 70% into perspective. 70%, we've said it before, is 56% of the population who, and the immunisation protects you against infection 
to about a 50% level. So half of that 70% are not going to get infected. The other half will get infected and may or may not pass it on. So that's another 30% of the population plus the 40% of the population who are not immunised at all. That's a lot of people who could become infected if you open up too quickly. You might be able to do something with immunised people. You might be able to do rapid antigen testing in workplaces and so on. There are various things that you could do reasonably safely, but there, there is a serious risk because New South Wales, for example, could really go off and some uh, scenarios would have New South Wales peaking at about 10,000 cases a day. So another scenario has 4,000 cases a day by mid-September. I mean, hopefully we're wrong. Yesterday the case numbers were relatively stable, but it's only, that's only three days in a row we need to see. But it's likely that, we ch- that New South Wales achieves 1,000 a day by the 1st of September. And that's going to be really difficult to turn, turn around before you uh, get vaccination, because vaccination is increasing, not exponentially, but arithmetically. You're just adding on cases each day, but the disease is spreading exponentially. And so an arithmetical curve is much lower than an exponential curve. It's really hard for the people who are living in lockdown, though. People are exhausted from being locked away in their homes for, you know, it feels interminable. And for some people, it feels like worse than the alternative. I think you've got two narratives that are going on. So you've got one narrative, which is the world has changed, Delta is a game changer, it's highly infectious, which is true. But it's, it's possible that, just imagine that we didn't have Delta, but we had a surge again of Alpha or last year's virus, and it hit us now after all these lockdowns. People are tired and fed up. The reason it's not coming back under control is probably more to do with fatigue than it is to do with the Delta virus. Yeah, the Delta virus doesn't help. It's incredibly infectious. It's spreading to a lot of people in households. It's not a good virus. But nonetheless, there's also a problem of adherence to the rules, in Victoria in particular. And that's that would be a bad scene whatever coronavirus you're talking about, whatever variant of coronavirus you're talking about. So it's, again, human behaviour, how we organise ourselves and, indeed, politics that makes a difference here. It's funny. You could read what you've just said as being quite negative, Norman, but I actually think that there's a positive to it because it kind of means that the power is in our hands rather than feeling like we're completely just at the mercy of this particular strain. That's right. And the New South Wales Premier doesn't help when she says, you know, this is different, with new rules, etc., etc. In fact, the old rules apply, which is if we were able to institute a very good, uniform lockdown where everybody feels they've been dealt with fairly, and I'm going to stay, you know, if I live in the southwest corridor, I look to the eastern suburbs of Sydney and Bondi Beach is not mobbed every, every weekend, and I feel there is a point to my behaving differently... Then you, um, then you could get this probably under control. Well, speaking of strains, we've had lots of people asking basically the same question, which is, does the old strain of coronavirus disappear after it's mutated into the new strain? Is there only the Delta strain now because we don't hear of any of the old strains anymore? Where do they go? Um, they go to a, a yard, which is called <laughs> the Old Strain Yard, which is in, in a secret corner of one of our capital cities. No, look... Um, 
The old strains do still circulate, but in very small amounts, in very small proportions. I'm not sure that any of them have disappeared completely, but the, the new strains come in and they dominate very quickly. So there's very, very little of the old ones, very little of the old ones left. But the, if you take the, the flu virus of 1918, it's, it's still around and not too different a, a genetic form. It's wearing a disguise. It's wearing one of those moustache glasses combos because right. of its mutations. It's like a French detective. Um, <laughs> it, it, it hasn't gone away completely. Our, our relationship with it, our immune relationship with it has changed a bit. But we don't fully understand why it looks as if it's still around, but it behaves differently. So they don't go away completely. Well, that's all we've got time for on Coronacast today. Send us your questions by going to abc.net.au slash coronacast. And we will see you demain. What's it? What's, how do you say tomorrow in French again? Demain. 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 See you then. No, no. A bientôt. A bientôt. Thank you very much. <laughs> A bientôt.